Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beth. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bub in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, Mama. Hello, everyone. It's Christy and back, back from the sleep teacher. This week, we are chatting all things early rising. Oh, dear. It is something <laughs> close to my heart. <laughs> if you followed along with me since I started the sleep teacher, you would have been well and truly aware of my battles with Hattie and how we came out the other side. So, Beck and I are sitting down today and chatting all things early rising. We're going to share our experiences with it and how we have navigated through it and things that we feel contribute and our solutions to mm. helping you get a little bit more acceptable wait time yeah. in your house. And it is definitely hard. Like it's just one of those things that takes a lot of patience and, you know, time from the parent and it's very hard of that time of night to stick with settling and things like that. So we totally get why early rising hangs around, but when you feel like you are in a good space, <laughs> we've got mm-hmm. some some tips to sort of help, but it, it really does come down to continuously doing something for longer than a couple of mornings to see it sort of change for the better. Yeah, and it is. It's honestly, I say it all the time, it is brutal. Mm-hmm. Like our f- early rising is horrible and it doesn't just impact like you, your little ones, your whole household feels the repercussions of it. So yeah, we are all about getting those 6 or 7 a.m.s on your clock for you. So please stick around, listen to all our tips today, and who knows, you may just find that they work and they help you get that little bit of more of a sleep in that we all crave. So Beck has just come back from leave. So Beck's back. You've probably seen she's been MIA the last week, off visiting her family in Melbourne. How was it, Beck? It was so fun and, yeah, it was so nice to just get away for a couple of nights solo and hang out with the fam in Melbourne. So yeah, just some chill time. Well, I'm glad you're back because (laughs) did you miss me? I miss you so much that I actually need a holiday now. So I'm jetting off tomorrow. So I, um, I'm leaving you for three weeks. You're on the fort now. Do you mean I'm not coming in your suitcase? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to? Yes. Um, I feel that you really do man the fort here and much appreciated. We've all missed you. So we're so glad to have you back. And Also, the other thing that I wanted to tell you, I actually haven't told you this back, our listeners in the UK are increasing by the day. So hello, everyone in the UK. It has been so nice seeing you all follow through and come across to Instagram as well. Love that. How you're finding us. You must just be finding us on the podcast when you're searching because, yeah, it's been so nice seeing you. So I don't know, Beck, maybe we should plan a little trip to the UK, a little sleep teacher tour over there. Look, if I have to do that for work, I'll fit it in. (laughs) Add it to the job description. (laughs) So yeah, so I think 
We may look at that, guys. I don't know. Come on. Let's... Everyone slide into Christie's DMs and make it happen. Worldwide tour. That'd be good. I think that'd be a great little uh, outlet for us. I'll leave the kids and the husbands at home and jet off to the UK for a week or two. <laughs> Um, let's get in anyway, because I've got a plane to catch. So <laughs> I'm out of here. Let's get in and chat all things early rising and bring back the six or sevens on your alarm clock. Look, no one likes an early start. <laughs> I have to tell you, that's probably like the least favorite part of the whole sleep thing for me is early rising as mm-hmm. in for my own kids and my own self. <laughs> Oh, I know. I honestly think that like, you know, I get up early, like my alarm goes off every morning, 4.45 and I love it. Like I do because that's my time to myself. But if my kids Mm. get up early, I am not a happy person. I know. And like all those people that talk about getting up in the morning and like, I'm so not a morning person. Like I wish I could get up at like (laughs) 5.30. When I'm always saying like, oh, I'm asleep by like 8, 39 o'clock because I get and she's like, that makes me sick. <laughs> but I like, I do. And it's taken me a while to get there. And look, I'm going to be completely, you know, upfront about this. I wasn't doing that when my kids were babies because mm. I was getting every second in that bed that I could get. <laughs> but yeah, now sure. I like it because it just doesn't stop, you know, afternoon and they're not going to bed as early as they used to. And I just feel like it's constant. So in that time of the morning for me is like that silence and I love it. Mm. But yes, I do feel that if my kids wake early or something, I'm like, great, they're going to be really Mm. (laughs) not going to be in a good mood this afternoon. It's going to be constant fighting. But I know with the little ones, it's a big one too for parents because it not only is it that relentless, you know, that build up every morning of early start. So you're tired, your baby's tired, probably bickering with your partner because you're all exhausted. But it's also then like, how do we adapt our day? Like, what do we do from here? Because I'm trying to get into a routine. We're trying to do this, but how can we get into bloody routine when we're waking up at 5am? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Fives. (laughs) Look, we've worked with clients who were like, so we had an early start. It was like 3.50, but like 3.50 is not an early start. 3.50 is a night wake. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And that's, yeah, the biggest thing. Like when we do see a five, we think, oh, that could be an early start. But we do try and get you to encourage your mind to think of it as still a night wake if it is closer to that sort of five mark. I mean, some people like starting their day with their kids at 5.30, especially if you've got to get to work or daycare or whatever it is. But Yeah, we definitely, for us, we try and strive to start our clients from six, but definitely five is for me. I think that's a good like thing just to keep in the back of your mind too. Anything with a six, you know, that's pretty acceptable and it's a good goal. Like if you see a five or a four or definitely a three, (laughs) you're going to want to try to resettle and treat it as you would if it was midnight. Mm. So there's a lot of factors that contribute to early rising and not going to lie like it can be a hard one to shift if it's been happening for a while very habitual at that time yeah if it's a habitual wake and it's not caused by things such as routine or you know a sleep association or something if it is literally because they've been waking for one reason or another and you have been not in a way I wouldn't say like encouraging it but unintentionally encouraging it by getting them up and starting their day, which we're going to touch on. But those sort of wakes, they can be hard to shift and they do, to, especially as they get older. So the longer it's been happening, the more entrenched it is, it's a lot harder to shift. But 
yeah, shifting your sort of natural body clock back to a more civilized time, which has a six on it. But I think it is important, like Christy said, there are a lot of routines and, you know, routines do have to have a starting point, which most of the time is seven. But it is really important to know that six o'clock isn't actually early rising. Like, yeah, it's super age appropriate for babies and toddlers to start their day closer to six than seven. Some babies will start, you know, at seven. But yeah, we don't want you to think that you're doing anything wrong or try and strive to get a seven till seven routine when, you know, it can be a little bit tough. Especially if your little one's going to bed at 6, 6.30. Like mm. by 6 a.m., they've essentially had 12, 11 and a half hours. So they could genuinely be ready to start their day. Don't stress if they do wake. Like obviously if you know that they still seem tired, just give them like, you know, that sort of 10 to 15 minutes to see if they'll resettle. But don't let it ruin your day if they do wake with, you know, within that 6 to 7 a.m. That's mm. completely normal. Yes. First up, you know, if we had a client coming to us with an early rising problem, the first thing we would want to look at is routine because that could be one of the simpler things that can affect an early rise. That would usually be quite easy, like fast to pinpoint. But for you, for like anyone listening who may have just noticed all of a sudden it started happening, sometimes it's a good indication to look at your routine because you might think that, what you were previously using may no longer be age appropriate and your little one may just need that little bit of tweaking. They may be getting ready to drop a nap or they may need a little bit of extending to their afternoon awake time or just shortening of a nap as well. So there's a few things that, yeah, definitely can be tweaked when it comes to routine. Mm, And that's why we do our bigger naps for us in the first sort of nap one or nap two. Like obviously we do like a longer nap two long-term, but you know, you've got those families that like to split the medium, medium schedule or whatnot. But all we kind of like to drive home is try and have your last nap of the day the shortest. So we don't want to have big naps more than sort of, you know, that one sleep cycle after sort of three o'clock in the afternoon, because it will sort of eat into your nighttime sleep pressure. And the first thing that usually comes away there is early morning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You start to steal from that drive there at that part of the night. So that's why we do like to structure little naps before bedtime. And that would also to do with too much day sleep. So We know babies only need a certain amount of day sleep in 24 hours. So if they are having too much in the day, you are going to, again, steal from your nighttime sleep. So that's why we do work off, you know, routines and guides and wake bubs up from naps and things like that. We do like to manipulate their day to give them the best opportunity and chance to sleep as long as they can and want to at nighttime too. Yeah. And similar, like while we're touching on routine as well, and again, why we like the longer lunch nap, having this long morning nap can also encourage those early starts as well Mm. because it essentially becomes like an extension of their night sleep. And yeah, so that's like a whole different topic, but there are reasons that we do recommend having that big nap in the middle of the day and early rising is definitely one of them. Mm. Yeah. And on the flip side of having too much day sleep, you've got the other side where maybe they're not having enough day sleep. So, yeah. So that again, like that, they complement each other, like naps complement night sleep and vice versa. But yeah, if your baby isn't getting enough day sleep, then they're going to go to bed more than likely with a sleep debt and therefore overtired. 
when they're overtired, you're probably aware they start to produce cortisol, like the stress hormone. And with that, you'll find that your little one not only struggles to fall asleep, but they'll be quite restless when they're sleeping. They just struggle to get into that nice deep phase of sleep, that restorative phase of sleep. And then how that impacts our early starts is when they're going to bed with those high levels of cortisol from around sort of you know, midnight through to 3 a.m. when their sleep hormones are still like there, but they're starting to titrate off, the the melatonin, the sleep hormone will start to titrate off, but they're left with the cortisol. So coming into those early hours of the morning, it's really hard for your little one to stay in a deep phase of sleep and resettle because they've got those higher levels of cortisol when they don't also have the sleep hormones, the melatonin to complement that. So yeah, it really is like <laughs> a bit of a guessing game and, you know, a juggling act, but just finding that sweet spot and ensuring that your little one's not getting too much day sleep, but they're also getting enough. The afternoon awake window is age appropriate as well. They all help in terms of the routine factors when we're talking about it. And I mean, that information isn't hard to find. I mean, you can Google, obviously we have routines that online as well for from six weeks to three years that we have like a guide for you as a starting point. If you just want to have a look at what you're doing and what we suggest you do, that can just be something easy to do just to see if you're sort of within what we would recommend, I guess, to help set up your bub as best as possible. Yeah. And your routine might look different to somebody else's, but it's just about making sure that it's age appropriate and those awake windows. Yeah. The little things are lining up. Yeah. To help you at night time. So in terms of routine, there's that. And then I guess there is the environment, the sleep environment. (laughs) Mm. And that might seem like an obvious one, but it's not just about, you know, obviously that it's super important to have that dark room because not only does the dark room stop the light filtering in and you would think just waking us, but the light also, when the room's nice and dark, that helps to produce those sleep hormones that we like, that melatonin. So works in both ways. And then that's also why we don't recommend having night lights in our little one's rooms as well, because it's just that extra encouragement. Babies are easily stimulated, so night lights can definitely, you know, stimulate them in those early hours of the morning, things like their cot rails and, you know, shadows. They're just that encouragement to wake up. So they can prompt early starts and with toddlers is the same thing, but it's primarily the reason we recommend a dark room is for that nice production of sleep hormones. Mm-hmm. Um And then you've got, you know, your white noise that helps with those early morning birdies chirping away. Uh. You know, dad getting up for work and banging everything. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, also like because one of my son's room backs onto like the ensuite. So if you do sort of flush the toilet or put the shower on or whatever, like it is noisy in his room, but because of, you know, the noise, it helps sort of not just startle awake with a sort of a noise. So that can It's good to position your white noise machine as well. Like if you have got something like that, like you would put the white noise machine between that wall and the bed, Mm. or, you know, if it's more the noise coming in from the door, you'd pop it closer to the door. So you can definitely sort of manipulate that to work in your favour. But, yeah, noises such as, yeah, like it might be birds, it might be someone getting up to go to the gym or to work or might be siblings. Like you might have already have one early riser that's in the house. That their mission is just to make sure everyone else is awake. <laughs> Hattie. <laughs> <laughs> you listening? <laughs> the uh, the garbage truck. Yeah. Coming around. 
There are so many things. And again, it's one of those things that once we get in a pattern of those early starts, it can be hard to get out of them. So we really want to just try and avoid them. So anything we can put there to, you know, band-aid and Mm. make sure we avoid those early starts works. But yeah, definitely a dark room, the white noise to help act as a buffer. And the temperature is a big one, like especially this time of year coming into, you know, the cooler months temperature is a huge one. Mm-hmm. So things like sleeping bags or uh, sleep suits, making sure you've laid that appropriately because even toddlers, like they kick their blankets off if they're in a bed, they just don't keep them on. So try to keep that sleep suit on. A good indication you may find, like if you have a monitor or, you know, you're able to sort of stick your head in and look at your little one, if you notice that they're curled up, their tummy sleeping with their bum in the air and all their limbs sort of curled up like in that fetal position, That may be a good indication they are feeling a little bit cold or they're curled up in the corner of the cot. That might just be a a bit of an indication that you may need to either pop on your air conditioning if you've got it, pop an extra layer on because, yeah, blankets just don't seem to do the trick. So, yeah, again, just trying to avoid any early starts that we can. We really want to just make sure we've gone through and tick, tick, tick. Mm. Yep. Is your little one an amazing sleeper? You can pop them in the cot and they'll happily go to sleep unassisted, but there's still that one pain point you can't get on top of, whether it be transitioning from naps, early starts, fragmented night sleep, false starts, whatever it is, our quick fix consult is perfect for you and your family. We can go through your situation, identify what is causing that one little issue and put a plan in place and restore sleep to your house. All you have to do is go to our website, book in that 30-minute consult and sleep is on its way. And then you've got to look at is your bub waking up a little bit hungry? So typically your bub sort of under eight months, I guess we kind of see, might be sleeping that whole big chunk of night sleep and then waking sort of at that awkward 5, 5.30 time and you know, it could be that they are that little bit hungry and they're just not quite at that point of sleeping all the way through till sort of 6, yeah, 6.37. Just phasing out that last little bit of feed. They can't quite get yeah, mm. yeah get to that morning feed yet. Yeah, so it that- could be, and we sort of just recommend just trialling, you know, can you give a little feed at that point? Um, a little half feed just to take the edge off and yeah. help reset all. Yeah, because it does essentially put you in that position of, okay, do I just get up and start my day and deal with the aftermath or mm. do I try to offer a feed, which I really don't want to do because they're trying to drop it or, yeah, and resettle. Yeah, and as Beck said, we would 10 times over recommend offering that half feed and resettling if you can as mm. opposed to getting up and starting your day. And yeah, splitting that feed. So you might find you offer just, you know, a half feed, whether it be one breast as opposed to two or half a bottle of formula as opposed to a full bottle. And then offering the rest when they do wake closer to sort of 7 a.m. And I think a good way to know, you know, if you have a bub waking and you just don't know, is it hunger or is it just are they waking because that's just a habitual thing for them? If you can get them to go back to sleep, you know, holding them or whatever it is without feeding them, you can be pretty sure that the sleep drive is still there and they're just struggling to link up that last consolidation of sleep for themselves. So that's a good thing to know. Okay, well, if I hold them, they go to sleep. So you know, okay, cool. The sleep drive is there. Now we just might need to do a little bit of sleep training. Yeah. And if you can resettle them with rocking or something, then it's a good indication they don't need that feed because they'll let you know. (laughs) 
Yeah, um, but so. that's what you're touching on too. It, they may just be struggling to go back to sleep because that really high drive of sleep and the sleep hormones, it's just not what it was at, you know, 7 p.m. or 1 a.m. It's a lot lower now. And if they've had a really good stretch of sleep off the back of that, it can be really difficult for them to master that sort of resettle there. Yeah. So another thing we find parents get a bit frustrated with is when they do go in to help get them back to sleep, they are just so awake. It just does not matter what you do. They are there (laughs) ready to party. (laughs) Like, Let's play. And the reason for that is their sleep pressure is basically at zero. So any attempt really from a parent, especially with older bubs, it really is difficult for them to realize that actually it's still nighttime and we aren't about to get the party hats out. So yeah, it's tricky. (laughs) I would like our advice would be that if your little one is just you know, having a little chit chat and they're okay in there, don't go in. Mm. Don't go in that room because it's probably more than likely going to be game over mm-hmm. and they're going to be <laughs> morning. Yeah. yeah, especially if it is those older bubs. You know, with our younger bubbies, you know, you might be able to sneak in and do that little half a feed and bliss. Great. Yeah, Everyone works. goes back to sleep. Especially me, I'm not getting up and having a shower at that point. <laughs> going back to bed till seven. <laughs> but, yeah, if you can... If that feed's going to do the trick and that you know they're going to go back to sleep, then fine. But if you're confident that they're not hungry and I think like if it's hunger, they're going to cry. They're going to let you know that they need some assistance. But like I said, if they're just rolling around, having a little fun play, a little chit chat to themselves, let them stay in that nice dark room with those, you know, get those sleep hormones flowing. Even if it's for just 10 minutes and they're happy and it just extends, you know, that time in the cot, then by all means do that. Because what happens, and this is sort of something we're going to touch on as well, one of the big factors of early rising is your reaction. Your reaction at that time of the morning is a huge one. And it really can be make or break to whether or not your little ones, you know, does resettle at that time, or if it's going to be a a bit of a battle for some time because what can happen is you can go in and your reaction of, okay, let's just get up and start our day can be enforcing that wake and encouraging that wake at that time. So we really do want to try to treat it as if it's, yeah, 1, 2 a.m. Yeah, especially our little toddler friends who wake up at 5, come into mum and dad's bed or, you know, their parents' bed and get the phone or the iPad while you know, you roll over and, you know, catch some sleep. That is a really big reward for a toddler. Like who's not going to want to do that? And, you know, if that's working and that's all well and good, great, you know, but if you are actively working on your early starts, we really don't want to be pulling them into bed and giving them a screen because that's just, it's too much fun. Yeah, I've been there. I honestly, I know I really do. And it's so hard and it's hard when you've got multiple children as well. But I even remember like a good example was we were working with a client and this little one was not quite three, a bit over two and a half, and their early starts were like ongoing. They'd been happening for a long time and everything else was amazing. Like they had really good foundations for sleep. But when we went through their intake form and we were going through everything, it was so obvious what was happening. Like every morning when they woke, because they were waking, there was no attempt to try to resettle. It was just come out 
in the lounge room, quietly sit on their lounge and get the remote and watch Bluey or whatever they were watching. And that was just their routine of a morning. And they knew that's what happened because, you know, mum was laying in bed going back to sleep because she was exhausted. And Bob just knew that if they woke, that's just what happened. And these wakes started to get progressively earlier and earlier because the minute they woke, their eyes pinged open. They got straight up, toddled down the hallway, got the remote and sat on their lounge. They knew if they sat there quietly, they could do that. And it was a reinforcement and really encouraging that wake. So as I, much as you mean well. <laughs> I have a funny story about a toddler. Oh, they would have probably been three or four. I can't remember who told me, but they got their iPad and it was like the parents' iPad and they would sneak in and the facial recognition, they would put the iPad up to the sleeping. Oh. <laughs> Well played, baby. Well played. It's <laughs> so clever. Or, like that is that's yeah. great. I, that's really. Uh, I know. Yeah, uh, yeah. It really is one of those things that yeah, when you do it and it means well, and you're like, this is just going to work for everyone, but it ends up you will find those wakes get progressively earlier because it's like a reward, mm. you know. And I've had clients as well who've you know, they pop the iPad just on the toddler's chest of drawers. So they know when they wake up, they get it, they get back in bed and they're quiet. They don't even wake mum and dad. And, you know, sounds fair and well, but it's just those long-term, like, you know, effects. And you're going to find that the longer that happens, the harder it is going to be to shift. And it might just mean they're a bit more grumpy throughout the day, hang on to that day now. You know, a little yeah, bit too can long. make dropping that nap a lot harder. Yeah, because they're starting so early, and then those bedtime battles emerge too because they're you know it's meltdown central at the you know bedtime because they're so tired. <laughs> so <laughs> fun, the toddlers are fun. Yeah, a good sort of tool alongside a you know a settling method for a toddler is a grow clock. So we do find they're not the answer by themselves. Like you're not just going to put a you know, a clock in and say, okay, when it's yellow, you can get up. (laughs) They're not going to work the first night. Like they take a little bit to get you and you have to be so, you know, patient with it, but you also have to be so encouraging because you've really got to keep them motivated. Yeah. And so 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 (laughs) a little hack is though, don't set the grow clock for 7am. If they're getting up at five, you know, that is just unrealistic. They are not going to sit in their bed for two hours. So We always say like set it for when they wake up so they get that instant, you know, oh, my goodness, you stayed into your bed until the sun came up. That's so awesome. And then, you know, slowly push it back by sort of 15 minutes each morning just so they have to wait a little bit and then hopefully they start sleeping that little bit longer with, you know, your encouragement to stay in their bed. So that can be a little hack for the uh, grow clock as well. Yeah, they do work well. I used one with Hattie, but like it did take a while. It wasn't instantaneous and to take a lot of encouragement, a lot of patience, but yeah, mm. it's good for them too because some toddlers will just see it and they'll know that, yep, if the moon's on just to close their eyes and they will like, even if they don't necessarily <laughs> go back toddlers? to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Are they dolls? Yeah. <laughs> Who is this unicorn you speak of? Yeah, so even if they don't go back to sleep though, they know that they don't get out of bed yet. So essentially not exposing them to all the factors that help to set their circadian rhythm, like the food, the light, the social interactions. So, Mm. yeah. And then you've got, you know, you can offer some like a rewards chart. You get a bit of a lucky dip if they stay in their bed until the sun comes up. So there's a few little fun things you can do with toddlers, you know, but it all takes time. It won't work with a, you know, they do need to be probably 
closer to two and a half, like before oh, yeah. you really get the concept, it, it's not something that's going to work for, you know, a 12 month old. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the main contributing factors that food, the light, the social interaction, those things we've all touched on. But then there's also, we can see early rising emerge from a sleep association. So, let's just say they're rocked to sleep and that's what they rely on to fall back to sleep. Um, rocking or feeding or a dummy. Say they're waking at like, you know, 11 o'clock at night, you go in, you pop the dummy back in, then they wake again around like 2 a.m., you go in, pop the dummy back in or rock them, whatever we're doing. And then they'll do it again around five. You might just think that they're having an early start and you get them up. And because again, those sleep hormones aren't as high and it's, the sleep pressure is not there. So it's a lot harder to resettle. So you might find that popping that dummy in doesn't work as good as it did in the early stages of the night. So you just get into that pattern of, okay, well, they're up now, aren't they? And that can just, again, enforce that early rising. So yeah, it's a really tricky one, but there's so many contributing factors and it is a matter of really going through and identifying why, but sometimes because you think that, yeah, they're not taking that rock or that dummy or that feedback to sleep that usually works in the early hours of the morning, you think that they're ready to start their day, but it's just that the drive to sleep's not as high as it was in the early hours and it could just be quite stimulating for them what you're doing to try to settle them. And yeah, like you said, what works so well in the first part of the night, it doesn't have the same effects later on early hours of the morning because they're too awake. So yeah. Easily stimulated, really easily easily stimulated. Less is more at that time of morning for sure. Which is why we were sort of touching on before, like if they're content and they're happy, don't rush straight in there. That little bit of space is often where the magic happens and where we see them, you know, just roll around, have a little chit-chat, and then all of a sudden, back to sleep. <laughs> In Christy's perfect world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, stop it. And then um, there's rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like it, it's a really tricky one. And, look, I'm not going to lie, it's a frustrating one because, like I said, I've been there and, oh, gosh, it's, yeah. But the longer you allow that early rise to happen, the harder it will be to get out. So it's something that if it does start to happen, there will be a reason for it. There is a reason for it. It's just about identifying what that reason is. And if you can't work it out, we can help. And also having realistic expectations of rectifying the early wake. So we do find changes in the start of the night, bedtime, all that sort of thing. They do take place quite quickly that early morning is a different thing. It can take two to three weeks and that's yeah. just being... It's usually know. one of the last pieces of the puzzle. Mm. That and the consolidation of the lunch tapping. And the last piece. that's why it is so difficult for parents to see it through because it doesn't happen in a couple of nights where early on sleep can, you know, take effect that quickly when everything's sort of lined up. So, you know, it's hard because you're tired and you look at the time, it's like, oh, it's so close to wake up time. I'm just going to pull you in or I'm just going to do, you know, X, Y, Z, which again is not an issue. If if everyone's going back to sleep, then, you know, great. But it, it's like we said earlier, if you're actively working towards extending that night's sleep in their cot, then these are the sort of tips that we would implement. Yes. Well, yeah, I hope that's covered everything for you. As I said, if you can't identify what is causing those early wakes, we can definitely help via a consult. So by all means, reach out if you'd like. But if those 5 a.m. starts are working for you, then roll with it. Rock on, sister. (laughs) (laughs) 
Send them my way. I'm up. Yeah, I was going to say, don't come to my house. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, enjoy your day. Bye. Night. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review, or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. Nighty night.